information, but I'm just going to go down uh, to number one with what Matthew 26, 36 through 37. And it says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Number one, prayer helped Jesus to overcome heaviness. Anybody ever experienced heaviness? Anybody experienced sorrow? I mean, we've experienced a lot of that in 2020, 2021, 2022, even do it just started. We had some people die of COVID. We had some people who, because the stress of COVID, I believe a lot of our oldest saints began to say, I, I'm just, it just wore them out. They just was leaving us, didn't even have COVID. But we've been able to understand what grief is, right? When you pray, God says pray. When you give him prayer, when you give him praise, I give you a garment of, of, of praise for your heaviness. But the only way you can get into that place of, of to relieve that heaviness is to pray. Do you understand this? Do you understand that you can have joy and still be sad? Okay? See, see, I believe sometimes we, we use uh, joy and happiness interchangeably, but that is not the case. You can be sad and still have a joy that surpasses all understanding because you understand that this too shall pass and you understand that God will never put more on you than you can bear. And so even when you're going and walking through the valley of the shadow of death, because you understand that your God loves you the same way he loved Job, the same way that he didn't let Satan touch Job more than he could bear. No, no, you can't touch Job's people. You can touch his things. No, 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 you can touch his, 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 his people, but you can't touch him. Okay, you can touch him, but you can't kill him. He only allowed Job to be touched where he was able to handle it. And so whenever you're going through your heaviness and you begin to pray and commune with God, when you begin to pray and commune with him, he will begin to take that heaviness away. Why? Because you begin to magnify him. You begin to understand what it truly means that greater is he who was in me than he who was what? In the world. You begin to truly understand that. You begin to truly understand that he won't put more on you than you can bear and that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You begin to understand that. Why? Because you are magnifying God. Because you're showing him how much you love him and he begins to show you how much he loves you. And the more you begin to understand that you don't have to worry about God failing you even if you fail yourself. See, let me tell you something about prayer. Prayer will begin to put you in right relationship with God, and you'll begin to understand God is not a man or woman that he should lie. God is not fickle. Sometimes people will say, I love you unconditionally, but if you do that, <laughs> that ain't unconditional, did you understand? And so the thing about it is God truly loves us unconditionally. And a lot of times we put conditions on God's love because we continue to look at him from the template of people who've hurt us. How we've hurt people and how we've even let down ourselves. So you got to continue to build this prayer relationship up with God so you can really truly understand how big he is. Have you ever seen an airplane way up in the sky? And you wonder how in the world everybody fit in that airplane. It's so little. 
But then when you get down on the jet with it, down on the jet, we're like, man, they play big. How in the world they get in the air? <laughs> because the closer it is, the, the true side you can see, right? And so the closer, sometimes God seems so far away and he seems small to some of our situations. But when we pray, we begin to bring him down to the jetway of our life. And we begin to see how truly awesome and magnificent how big he is. And he's bigger than any problem you have. And you can handle it in your prayer life if you pray and give it to him. All right. So number one, prayer helped Jesus to overcome heaviness. Number two, ooh, this is a good one. Matthew 26, 39 says, and he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, Father, oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Ooh, prayer helped Jesus to overcome selfishness. Y'all do know who Jesus is, right? Right? Jesus, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God is with us, right? Jesus that went to the cross, right? That died for us and was raised on the third day. Y'all do know Jesus, right? The one who made up his bed and left the tomb. The one who turned water into wine. The one who raised the dead. The one who caused the blind to see, right? The one who walked on water. Huh? Walked on water. Remember that? He even had to pray to overcome selfishness. So why don't you think you have to? The first thing that you're going to be programmed to do in life is self-preservation. That's a little bit of selfishness at least, right? Self-preservation. That's why it's hard to represent yourself and represent somebody else when they're going against what it is you want. It's hard. You understand? So at the end of the day, what you need to understand is if Jesus had to pray to overcome selfishness, so do you. He said, Lord, I know what you want me to do. Because see, this is the thing. Jesus had no excuse because he knew exactly what God was saying. He was God, right? And, and so sometimes the selfishness in us, sometimes our selfishness causes us not to even hear what God is saying. He heard exactly what God was saying, but said, look here, I hear you, God. I know what you're saying, right, bro? But I really don't want to go. But not my will, your will be done. God, I really, really, really want this job. I really, really want this job. But Lord, I know you're telling me to go to Newport News. If I ain't pray, I wouldn't be here. I love y'all now, but I ain't want to come. Keep me at 100. I'm telling you, boy, that midnight train, I listen to Gladys Knight every day when y'all call me. She said she was going back to Georgia, so why leave? <laughs> if Gladys said she want to go back to Georgia, I'm already here. Her restaurant was right down the street from my house, too. It was good. And I was at the one that didn't take forever to get in, the one downtown. See, everybody, nobody went on the east side. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, go get me some chicken and waffles. And I'm like, man, yeah, the midnight train to Georgia. Newport, who? <laughs> but, but, but I had to pray about it. Sometimes God will give you something that is good for you, but your flesh don't even want it. Ooh, and you got to learn how to pray because if you don't pray and really get the selfishness out of you, you're going to miss a blessing. 
Ooh, I know people that left jobs and took pay cuts because God told them to leave and God set them up, ooh, and blessed them with an overflowing blessing, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. And I know some people that they knew God told them not to take this job, but the other job made more money and the company went out of business. I know some people like that. And what I'm telling you is, at the end of the day, I, I see this is why I love this scripture when it says obedience is greater than sacrifice. You know why? Because when you're obedient, sometimes your obedience is bigger than the sacrifice you're going to make. But at the end of the day, when you're really obedient to God, he's going to bless you. God talks about prosperity in the Bible more than he talks about anything else. You do this, I'm going to bless you. You do that, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a good measure of blessing. Press down, shake it together, and run over. I'm going to give you an overflow. I wish up of all things that you be prosperous and in good health. You understand? He gave, he gave, he gave Abraham double, double portion of what he asked for. After he gave to Melchizedek, Melchizedek, woo, he gave Job double after he went through his suffering. So you have to understand when you put down your selfishness and you really do the will of God, he's going to bless you tremendously, right? So even if you can pray to get rid of your selfishness, even a little bit of your selfishness can really help you because you can understand if I do this, God's going to bless me anyhow when I do what it is he wants me to do. See, this is the problem. Stop trying to make it make sense. When you hear the voice of God, some of us are 50, 60, 70 years old. You know God's voice by now. When 70-year-old people are like, man, you think it's God or devil? I be looking at them like, man, you know better than me, but I'm going to go ahead and entertain you since I'm your pastor. Okay, sister so-and-so, now what happened? <laughs> you know good and well it's God. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know when it's God. Can I tell you something? When you ask that question, First of all, God don't give you reasons. He don't sit there and try to give you all these reasons of why to do it. The devil always try to give you all these reasons why, because he want to justify because you already know he, you shouldn't do it anyway. So he want to convince you to do something wrong, and you already know if it's something that's selfish, you already know it's the devil anyway, or you. Or you. <laughs> Sometimes we blame the devil, but it's just us. But when God tells you to do something, a lot of times it is a, it is a sacrifice, but stop trying to make sense of it. It didn't make sense on paper. I talked to four or five different pastors who had mega churches. It didn't make sense on paper to come here. The bylaws was, you know, different. <laughs> Year probation. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, dude, you would be crazy to go. And, I, I, and they said, well, there's much counter that's safety. So I kept going. There, and then God said, I know what they say, but go. It didn't make no sense. All of them called me crazy. What you going there for? Didn't I tell you not to go? I know, but this is what God said. You know what? If God said it, then go ahead. In the back of their mind, they were like, this joke up in the be homeless and Three months. <laughs> they had folk betting down here that I wasn't going to make it a year. Pastors. They didn't preach it before and everything. Anyway, number two, it helps you to overcome selfishness. All right? Overcome selfishness. Number three, number three, look at this, Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. Prayer helps Jesus overcome weakness. 
he was getting mad at the disciples because he brought his three boys, his tightest boys up there. And he said, can you watch him pray? And what did they do? Fell asleep. You fell asleep. All you had to do was watch him pray. Now, I don't know how long Jesus prayed, though, because you just fell asleep on a mountain with lions and tigers and bears. Uh, you tired. You out there with the animals. Y'all do know that, right? They just fell asleep in the open. And so he was like, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When you begin to pray, it will help you overcome your weaknesses. Remember Paul said, I glory in my infirmities. I ain't worried about my strength. I glory in my weaknesses and my reproaches because when I'm weak, then I'm what? Made strong. When you really commune with God, God will make your weaknesses strengths. He will allow you to overcome your weaknesses when you pray and commune with him. Why? The more you pray with him, the more you're building a relationship with him. The more you're in battles that he's right beside you, the more you trust him. Jerry Rice and Joe Montana trusted each other. They were in so many games together, they built chemistry. They practiced, they communed, they fellowshiped, they talked over lunch, they got to practice early, they left practice late. Why? When they began to understand each other's moves. When you begin to pray and commune, especially when you learn how to pray in tongues and talk directly to the Spirit, you begin to understand what God's mood is, why God is doing this and how he's moving. See, the people of Israel saw the miracles of God, but Moses knew why he did them. Moses understood the ways of God because he had a relationship with God. He prayed with God. He communed with God. He fellowship with God. He built a relationship with God. That's why Abraham was able to pray for Sodom and Gomorrah. He was able to pray for Sodom and Gomorrah because he had a relationship with God. Hold on, God. If you can just find 50 folk, will you save them? Yeah, man, if I find 50, hey, man, come on, God, I know, I know, I know it's a big city, thousands of vote, but what if you found 40? <sighs> all right, Abraham, you get on my nerves, but all right. What, man, you know, in your pre-adventure, you know, if you can just find 30. Dude, if I can find 30. Well, apparently you ain't found 30 because you ain't saving the city because I still see it smoking over there. Uh, what did you find? 20, God. All right, man. Then he got down to 10. Now I guess most like, oh, they going to die. <laughs> but he was able to talk back and forth with God because he had what? A relationship. So he was able to intercede. He was able to know exactly what God was feeling and exactly what God was going to do. He was able to have great discernment and wisdom because of he communed with God. Right? So it helps you with your weaknesses. It helps you with your weaknesses. I almost got ahead of myself, but that's the next one. It helps you with your weaknesses. So if you're weak in areas, stop saying you can't do it because we already know you can. But you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But how can Christ strengthen you if you don't pray? How can Christ strengthen you if you don't worship? How can Christ strengthen you if you, if you, if you don't go to him with supplication and prayer? If you don't fast sometimes, if you don't try to build a relationship with him. So we're right now we're on prayer. If you want your weaknesses dealt with, pray and give them to God. Submit them to him 
and understand the difference between grace and mercy. The reason why God told Paul that his grace is sufficient is because grace means God giving you the ability to do something you can't do. So you have the ability to walk blameless. You have the ability to walk sinless. You have the ability to do miracles. You have the ability to overcome your weaknesses. But it's because God gives you grace. But he can't give you grace if you don't commune and pray to him and ask him for it because you have not. Because you what? Ask not. And how you going to ask if you don't what? Pray. You got to pray to God to ask. When you talk to God, that's praying, even if it doesn't make sense to anybody else. Hey, God, how you doing? That's praying. You talking to him because he will answer you back. See, some of y'all sit up there and say it and be playing and just keep walking. Now, I'm not saying they're going to say, yes, Miss Collins, I'm talking to you. I'm not saying he's going to say that. But he has spoken audible to people before. But he will make sure that he sends you a message through somebody, through something. You know, God can talk to you through a movie. God can talk to you through a cry of a child. God can talk to you through a dog crossing the daggone street. Because God can use anything to get a message to you, but you got to learn how to fellowship with him so you can understand how he talks to you. Because he don't talk to me the same way he talked to Deacon Isaac. He don't talk to me the same way he talked to Deacon Dawson. He don't talk to me the same way he talked to Brother Collins. He don't talk to me the same way he talks to me dealing with my personality. You know, God will snap on me every now and then because that's who I am sometimes. I'm like, all right, God, I get it. He'll joke with me. He'll talk to me. You have to understand that God talks to you the way you will listen. He talked to Gideon real funny, didn't he? Gideon said, hold on, hold on, God. You calling me. I'm sitting up here making bread, and you calling me to go fight the Philistine. I ain't never, ever fought before. I'm the lowest in my tribe. All my people around me broke, and they going to listen to me. All right, look at God. All right, God. If you really want me to do it, I'm going to put this fleece out here. Let the water, the dew be everywhere but on this fleece. Okay. Oh, Lord, it's dry. And it's wet. Man, you know what? That, 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 you know what? Hold on, hold on, hold on. That, that might, it could have just been a tree or a bird might have been standing right there for a minute. Um, you know, may, may, maybe a lion picked it up and, and took it to the kids and brought it back and, and it's dry. Uh, maybe somebody heard me praying and they took it in the house and brought it outside. Oh, hold on, God, because this time, let the dew fall on this, on this fleece, but nowhere else. I got you now, God. I got you, dude. I know this ain't going to happen. Come outside. Ah, it's dry everywhere. Oh, Lord, this wet. What you want me to do, God? You understand what I'm saying? He talks to you how you communicate. And the more you communicate with him, the more you understand that he understands all your nuances. And the more you understand how he understands everything you, you do, you will understand and be confident when God talks to you. Because you understand that he caters to you and he talks to you how he talks to you. Because he talks to you like you're the only person in the world. But you gotta pray to him enough to build that relationship for your confidence because he already knows who you are. You have to know who he is. And when you know who he is and you begin to commune with him, then he'll start showing you who you are. Because some of us don't even know who we are ourselves. 
Anyway, let me get right of here. Number, number four. Ooh, I love this one because I, I just, yeah. Matthew 26, 48 and 49 says, Now he that betrayed him gave him a sign. Gave them a sign saying, Whomsoever I kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. Shady, just like the Godfather. Betraying me with a kiss. And forthwith, he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. How shady is that? You come, this sign, and when I kiss him and tell, Oh, hey, Master, I know you the man. And you, so you telling them he the, he the one, and you trying to act like you cool with Jesus. Right? Prayer helped Jesus to overcome deceitfulness. He'll let you know, they smile in your face all the time. They want to take your place. He'll show you who they are because what? Jesus already knew. Remember when they drank, the when they had the communion and the wine? That's why I know that was real wine. See, some people don't think it was real wine because, you know, it'd be more fights and parties when people start sipping than any other time because the truth come out. You can't hide the truth when you, you know, sipping on that wine or whatever y'all be sipping on. I just don't like you. I ain't never liked you. <laughs> oh, man, I was just, I was just bullying. Like, no, they, they drunk, you know, speak sober mind. I ain't never liked you. <laughs> anyway, Jesus, Peter said, who, who going to betray you? John was like, who going to betray you? He said, the one who dips his bread in the wine after I dip mine. He said that to this boy's right by him. And he dipped and he dipped. And then he did it and he said, hey man. Jesus said, hey man, go do what you got to do and do it quickly. He already knew he was shady. He was already prayed up. He already knew who his betrayal was. You should never get blindsided when you pray. Ever. Ever. Never. Yo, I'm telling you, never. You should never be blindsided when you really be praying and you really listen to the answer God giving you because he'll show you the shady people. Yeah, because you know you be like, ah, and you sometimes, you, you, people be fooling you and it seems like they nice and you like, ah, I just can't put my finger on it, but I know you ain't right. And then after a while you keep hanging around them and you keep fellowshipping and you begin to trust them because you know, uh, 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 Bad company corrupts good character. So you begin to lose some of your, <coughs> your positive energy because negative energy is the only thing that leads. So you, you begin to dumb yourself down. And all of a sudden they do something. They be like, man, I knew something told me. No, the Holy Spirit told you. You just hard-headed. Can I tell you something? When I tell somebody this is what's going to happen, especially one of my deacons or my ministers, and I know what's going to happen, and it's in the spirit, and, and don't nobody, everybody don't want to see signs and wonders first. I don't need a sign when God tells me. I don't need you to manifest what I already know you're going to do eventually. Then when it happened, man, how you knew that? Because God told me. I don't need a sign for me to understand what God told me. If he told me, that's what it is. The problem is you always want your flesh. Your flesh always want a, a tangible answer. They always want a tangible answer. They always want to see this is what it is. 
Why? Because your flesh is here, your spirit is here, and you stuck in the middle. Your flesh, your body, your feelings, your lust, all that stuff over here wants you to go that way. Your spirit trying to make you go this way. Your soul is in the middle. Your mind, your intellect, your reason, your personality, you are in the middle. So it's really kind of true when the angel on one side, the devil on one side, that's really your flesh and the spirit trying to get you to go the way they want you to go, and they'll never be in agreement with each other. But if you watch and you pray, God, well, remember when they went out and they prayed, and God, they had, a, they had a Holy Ghost meeting, and he said, look here, God gonna set ambush when you go to Ziglag, and they began to send the praise and worship was out front, and they ambushed the people that were hiding, trying to get them, because when they prayed and they worshiped, God showed them exactly what was gonna happen, exactly where the enemy was gonna be, exactly when the enemy was gonna attack them, and they didn't even send guns in the front, they sent the praise and worship. They sent Dre out there with an organ. Huh? They sent Derek out there with a microphone. Huh? They sent him out there. They sent Stephon out there with a the piano. They didn't even go out there with guns. They did it. How? There you go with your smart self. Did that make any sense? No. David went out there with a sling and a rock. A sling and a rock. But you know what he did? <coughs> Before he went out there, he prayed. He said, you uncircumcised Philistine who come against the armies of the living God, the same way you told me that you're going to cut my head off, I'm going to take this rock and I'm going to sling it in your head and when you fall, I'm going to cut your head off. What was he doing? He was decreeing and declaring exactly what God had told him to do. So what he did, when he put that sling and that rock together, he had already spoke what was going to happen. And when he spoke what was going to happen, Everything he said came to pass. Why? Because he was in communion with God. He made sure he prayed out loud and let the audience know this was going to happen. Oh, you uncircumcised Philistine, you may be nine feet, almost ten feet tall. I may be five four. I may not have any armor on, but when I go grab these rocks, I'm going to knock your head off. And you know what? I'm going to go grab five smooth stones because you know what? I know you got four brothers in if they come for some, I'm going to kill them too. That's the confidence you walk in when you got a prayer life. That's the confidence you walk in when you got a prayer life. Even though David was a sinner, he knew who God was. Was a man of the God's own heart and probably sinned more than all of us in this room. Now, I'm not giving you a license to sin, but what I am telling you is even in your weak moments, if you just repent and get up and tell God you're sorry and look toward the healer which cometh your help, he will restore you, he will forgive you, he will fortify you. If you give your weaknesses to him and let him take over your life, he will restore you, he will make you whole, he will cause you to walk the way you need to walk. I know you keep falling in fornication, I know you keep falling and lying, I know you keep falling 
all it in steal it. But at the end of the day, baby, if you give it to the Holy Ghost and say, Lord, not my will, your will be done. I need you to make me strong where I'm weak. I know you can fortify me. I know you can make me whole. I can't do it by myself. That's why it says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, where are you? I'm looking toward the hill where it cometh my help. Please, Lord, I need your help right now. If you had to pray to God to get it right, I know I got to pray. Jesus himself said he had to pray and was mad when they went pray with him. If you can't pray with me, stay away from me. If I break out in the Holy Ghost all of a sudden and you always looking at me like I'm crazy, stay away from me. I said to the bubble shot at me, what's wrong with you? You okay? Ain't nothing wrong with me. If you can't get this spirit, stop talking to me. You need to be around some folk that every now and then you break out in the Holy Ghost, dance there, dance with you. Even if you went Whole Foods. You got to be around some people when all of a sudden you start praying this spirit, they just start praying too and stop asking you what's wrong with you. If they ask you what's wrong with you when you praying this spirit all the time, they not on your level. Tired of being around people that don't know how to pray. Tired of being around people that don't know how to walk in their spirit. Tired of being around people that can't lift me up and always need me to lift them up. If I got to drag you everywhere I go. Who that David Allegree always carrying that dead dog around? Come on, book. Come on. <coughs> That's how I feel. That's how it is when you walk around with folks that can't pray. You just carrying around dead weight with you. Come on, brother, man, I'm going to pray today. I'm going to pray. Don't worry. I'm going to pray. I need some prayer warriors. I'm just like Jesus. Jesus got mad. You couldn't watch and pray. That's all I asked you to do was sit here and pray and you sleep. You can't be in agreement with me. You sleep. I'm about to go to the cross and you sleep. I'm out here interceding for you and you sleep. Tell the talk to the pastors, you better have some praying deacons. Pastor, pastor, somebody need prayer. I need a deacon. <laughs> but, pastor, but they want you to pray for me. I need a new deacon. Bring somebody need prayer. You can't pray? You ain't got no anointing? You need to learn how to pray. First, pray. Learn how to pray in the natural. Then, how to pray in the spirit. Know how to pray in tongues. When I'm talking about praying in the tongues, I'm talking about praying in the spirit. I ain't talking about you in the spirit. I'm talking about praying in tongues. When you talk straight to God, that's what I'm talking about. People try to get technical. In the spirit, can't be. Yeah, you can be in the spirit and still not be praying in tongues. But when you're praying in tongues, you're talking directly to God. And so the reason why I wanted to teach you about Jesus is this. Jesus knew how to pray directly to God. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you the paraclete. I'm going to send you the advocate. I'm gonna the advocate. I'm going to send you the helper in the form of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you a part of myself. Jesus knew how to talk directly to God. And so he left you a part of his spirit. So you could talk directly to God too. He already knew how to pray. That's why his disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. 
He knew how to pray. Even though he knew he had to go to the cross, Lord, not my will, your will be done. He already knew Judas was going to betray him before he came to Gethsemane. He went to Gethsemane because he knew that's where he needed to be for them to come get him. That's obedience. Knowing you're walking into your death, but not my will, your will be done. Love Jesus. Because it wasn't the nails he was worried about. It wasn't the nails, even though that hurt him. It wasn't, it wasn't the crown of thorns, even though he couldn't see when the blood was running down his eyes. It wasn't even him being stretched. Because one of the Psalms said that every joint in his body was dislocated. It wasn't that. It was him becoming every nasty, detestable thing that we've ever done. It was him becoming sin. That's what Jesus did not want. He became every nasty thought you ever had. He became everything that you ever will do in the wrong. He became everything that separates you from God. He became all of that to reconcile you back to God. He came. He's the son of man because... He reconciled man to God, but he's the son of God and reconciled God back to man. Why? Because God cannot look at sin, but he can look at Jesus. He can look at the blood of Jesus. So because you're covered with the blood of Jesus, he can hear your prayer. And because you're covered with the blood of Jesus, you have the form of the Holy Spirit in you. And the same way Jesus knew exactly what to pray, you know exactly what to pray. Why? Because when you learn how to pray in tongues, not saying you can't pray in the natural and still get to God, but I'm saying when you learn how to pray in tongues, you begin to talk to him directly, no interference, and the Spirit is interceding for you. He's telling God exactly what you should tell God. Can, can I tell you something? It's like this. It's like this. When I, when I was interviewing for an assistant principal job at Stone Mountain, they had already earmarked the job for me. Sorry, people that interviewed. But they said, as long as you don't say nothing stupid, you good. And so what I do, I set an appointment with the city superintendent, and I said, they said, as long as I don't say nothing stupid, what I need to say. <laughs> and they asked me this, you know, because I had been going through the interview, so they asked the same questions. I had been on two other interviews. I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now look, and they asked me this, what I need to say. And they, and they gave me the answers because I asked. And so when I left, and I looked, Lord, and behold, the person I asked for help was on the interviewing panel. Lord, have mercy. And so I just gave them back everything they told me to say. And everybody on the panel gave me a good grade for my answers because I gave them back exactly what they told me. See, when you confess, it's come from the Greek word homologeo, which means to say the same thing. Come on, somebody. So when I pray in the Spirit and I say the same thing God already wants me to say, he can't help but give me what it is I'm supposed to have because he already gave me the answer to the interviewing question when I go into the courts of heaven to say, Lord, this is what I want. I'm not saying it. The Holy Spirit is telling God exactly what God want to hear. And after he tells God exactly what he wants to hear, he comes back and tells me exactly what God wants me to hear. That's a great interview. Come on, somebody. Anybody had an interview and somebody told them the answers? Tell the truth and shame the devil. Maybe that's why y'all ain't got no good jobs. Pray. <laughs> so if it worked in the natural, when I went to the assistant superintendent and they told me what to say and I gave them back exactly what they said, 
when I learn how to pray in the Spirit and I confess and say exactly what God wants me to say. Whoo! The Holy Spirit will get with God and God will tell the Holy Spirit exactly what you need to say and cause you to say it to him because you have not because you what? Ask not. But sometimes you have not because you ask, but you don't ask for what God really wants you to have. And I tell you this, because all things happen for the good of those who are called according to what? His purpose. So if it's lined up with his what? His purpose. It got to be lined up with his purpose. His purpose for you. And so when you learn how to commune and pray and get to know God and get to know Jesus with your word, he begins to magnify the Holy Spirit within you. And you begin to not only just learn how to pray in the natural, you can pray in the spirit. He'll give you all the answers on the test. You will begin to say and confess, homo lo jail. Say exactly what it is God wants you to have. Jesus said, not my will, Lord. Your will be done. And when he did exactly what God wanted him to do, his name was exalted above all other names. His name unlocks blessings. His name quenches and annihilates curses because his name is above any other name. If I don't know Jehovah Jireh is my provider, all I need to know is Jesus. If I don't know Jehovah Shalom is my peace, all I have to do is say Jesus. If I don't know Jehovah Nisi is my victory, all I have to do is say Jesus. If I don't know El Shaddai, the God above all other gods, all I got to do is say Jesus. All I need to say is Jesus because he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And now he lives in me in the form of the Holy Spirit. So every miracle that Jesus could do, I can do. Every power that Jesus has, I have. The same resurrection power that raised him from the dead lives in all of us in the form of the Holy Spirit. So who can stop you? No weapon formed against you shall prosper because God himself lives inside of you. Amen.